Welcome to the Drunk Guys Book Club, where books aren't just for school, where book clubs aren't just for women, and we are going to rehydrate with beer. I'm Mike. I'm Nate. I'm Jimmy. And we're the Drunk Guys, and this week we are reading The Three-Body Problem. Fucking don't know how to say this guy's name already. I'm going to guess it's Si Shin Lu. And Nate's starting with a beer. Oh my god. Oh jeez. Maybe. <laughs> this beer is called <laughs> Raspberry Cannibal by Other Half. And it is very red, like communism. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. It definitely spilled everywhere, like communism. No, um, <laughs> you better clean it up before it presents a domino effect on the surrounding areas. This is a smoothie sour with raspberry and vanilla and milk sugar. And it's 6% alcohol, and it's really good. Is one of those alleged sours, where it's really just a diabetes shake? Oh yeah, though this is this is diabetes with alcohol <laughs> and raspberries. <laughs> anyway, I picked this beer because the book starts with the Cultural Revolution in the Cultural Revolution in China, and I would say that in during the Cultural Revolution they were kind of like eating their own <laughs> because they were attacking all of their own people and. Yeah. Uh, they're communists, so red. That's why I didn't pick Mango Cannibal, which I also have in the fridge. Hmm. <laughs> what would an orange one be? An orange know. cannibal? I'm going to make an orange revolution. There's an orange revolution. That Is was there? in Ukraine. Oh, yeah. There you go. We'll do that I book I definitely later. need a napkin. Go ahead and introduce the book. I would imagine uh, an orange, orange, you're glad we didn't have a revolution, <laughs> uh, would, be, would be preferable. So, The Three-Body Problem is a novel written in, well, published in Chinese in 2008 and then translated into English in 2014 by, uh, I'm going to fuck up all the Chinese isn't names. Ken Liu? I think, isn't the translator Ken Liu? Oh, yeah. I was just trying to, was, yeah, it is. I was just going to try to say the author's name again, but I'll, I'll, oh. I'll leave that to you. I think it's Xixin, or it's something close to that in our pronounceable letters Yeah, that we'll never get right, so... It's part of a series, and Nate and Jimmy, you both read this, and at least one patron, Travis, recommended we check this out, so here we are. I've wanted to do this one for years. This, is, this series is one of my favorite book series of all time, easily. I mean, the first time I read it, was like, what the fuck is this? Holy shit. I also said that the second time I read it. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot how weird no, it was. No, maybe but a how little bit less. Yeah. I, it, it gets... I forgot how... Relatively straightforward The first one was Oh Jesus Christ Really? This is my first oh, time Oh God You have no idea Because I didn't I read the first one When it like Was first announced That it won the uh, Hugo And then And about a year later I was like Oh there's a second one Okay great And then I started it And I was like Holy fuck I have no idea What is going on And so I just didn't Continue with it So And then double that For the third one Did you never finish The second one? No, I, I barely made it 10% into the oh, second one. Oh, okay. Because they get better. Like, each one is better, I think. They're weirder. Way weirder. But we'll see. We'll get to those eventually. For now, we have the first one. Uh, yeah, it was a big hit. And now we are. Here we are reading it eight years later. Just in time. <laughs> um, well, you still have 442 uh, years till it matters. Yeah. We didn't plan this, but how are we going to talk about it? Because it's told wildly out of order. It's almost like a detective story, 
at least that was my take from reading it. Like, there's like a main character, and to he's, a bit, yes, he's trying to understand what the fuck is going on, and like stuff gets revealed to him, and therefore you, the reader, that you do have the little prologue section too. But it's like, what does any of this have to do with the other part? Does not become revealed until much, much later in the book. So it's there are sort of like two main characters. The first main character, well, the character you meet first, who's kind of not the main main character, but you know the second one, when she's still, uh, I guess, I mean, she's a graduate student or something like that. Where anyway, she's a student, but this is 1966. This is the height of the Cultural Revolution in China, and she is at a struggle session where she's the daughter of a college professor, another physicist. Yeah. Physicist, but she's at the struggle session where they beat her father to death. What children beat middle her school to death. girls beat her father to death because he won't give in. He won't relent to. Um, well, what they're making him say is like, phys- like Einstein is decadent capitalist physics, <laughs> shit like that. <laughs> it's yeah, not even they're he, like saying like the West is corrupt. Like they're like physics is bad, <laughs> like. You would not have lived to 1966 if you if you renounced communism. So that wasn't even part of the problem. He just, you know, wouldn't wouldn't agree with their stupid nonsense that the middle school girls were saying. So they beat him to death. And then, oh, it was their teaching relativity, which was a capitalist idea. They said, I don't know why. Quite capitalist. (laughs) No, it doesn't make sense. And then it jumps forward another couple of years. Her name is. If I was, if I'm reading it off the page, it looks like it says Yi Wenji, except I did listen to the audiobook for part of this, and it was said more like Ya Wenjia or Wenxia. It almost sounded like there was like a T or a C in the middle of there, it's but anyway. probably not a sound we have in letters. Yeah, and I, nor do I know if the person pronouncing just pronouncing it on the audiobook was doing it correctly. So we'll just call her. Yeah, they go over, but everybody goes by their last names in the throughout the book for the most part, anyway. Yeah, so she <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so this is like two years later. So this is nineteen sixty eight, and the it, she's on like a work crew camp thing. Like basically, she's like chopping down trees, in just the mountains. deforesting China. So she's uh, like just doing like this work camp stuff. But she's also, and then some, like, reporter for the, like, you know, newspaper. This is, you know, a, a, a Chinese newspaper, you know, still Communist Party, but not, like, the party line newspaper or some other thing, or a local thing. He comes, he's talking to her and says, oh, I just wrote this thing about Silent Spring by Rachel Carson, but my handwriting is terrible. Won't you, can you have nice handwriting? Can you, like, write this over for me? So she does in the letter. It's a letter to the you know, some central, much more central Communist Party thing, basically saying, telling them, like, Rachel Carson is right, we're polluting everything, we're destroying nature. This was we a have real to book. Stop. Oh, yeah. We, oh, yeah. It's a, like, oh, the modern ecology movement, or, like, environmental... Environmental movement, yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's, it starts with this book, or this is one of the main points, the foundings of that. She gets in trouble for writing the letter even though she didn't write the letter she just copied it in nicer handwriting and sent it in and he sent it in but blamed her on it because 
and now suddenly she's got a she's got a, an even bigger problem in that her father was politically you know bad because Deaded. he wouldn't yeah cause, I mean he was because you know, uh, he was eliminated during the Cultural Revolution and now she's done this second thing which is being blamed for writing this letter about the Western decadent capitalist Rachel Carson but she happens to so she's like thrown in prison. But then instead of being she's thrown in prison and she's being like interrogated, but instead of making her, sending her to some like prison for the rest of her life, because she's a trained astrophysicist, they sent her instead to this secret military base, this radar installation called Red Coast Base, where she basically starts working on what, what is really like a military project of you know, all this. You know, they have like a radar uh they have a radio antenna, and they have other, not antenna, radio telescope and other things, and they're doing a lot of research around, I mean, it's supposed to be, well, uh, you know, military. what it's for at first. Right. She's just there to, like, keep the equipment going. Anyway, so you find out a bunch of that first. That's, like, the first couple of chapters of the book. Then they tell, they tell her, it will tell you what's really going on, but if we do, you can never leave here again. She's like, fuck it, all right, let me know. Got nothing else going on for me. And there's like a thing where it's like when she died 40 years later, she was like, good job. <laughs> like, <laughs> so you know that she doesn't die. She doesn't like get disappeared or anything like that. But you don't know anything else. And then it shifts. You do know her life sucks, though, because these horrible things happen to her. in Cultural Revolution and then, China. <laughs> she, <laughs> and then she was forced to basically just... Okay, we won't send you to jail, but with this place we are sending you, you can't leave there either, ever. So that was not call bad. it jail, but... <laughs> with better, better equipment, though. Yes, a jail by any other name. I can't believe it's not jail. <laughs> but then it shifts to the relative present day, like, of the book, when the book came out, I guess. Yeah, the late aughts. Four aughts. years later, so the late, the late aughts, yeah. Ought to be around there. Uh-huh. And then we have the first character's name that Jimmy and I will snicker at a lot, Wang. Wang Meow. Hmm. Mm. So combined. Com- no, Wen is a different guy. Wang Meow is He's like... He's on they, second. They, they wanted a code that meant dick pussy. <laughs> it's very cleverly hidden. <laughs> like, do, do you know, you were telling this, where... This is this is 100% true. Even though it's Japan, it's not China. I'm not, I'm not that racist. But where Donkey Kong's name comes from? Oh, no. So what I had read was that the guy wanted to find the you know Japanese programmer, whoever made it, wanted to meme it like stubborn monkey or stubborn gorilla and use the thesaurus. <laughs> And got, oh, like stubborn like a donkey and King Kong. He's like, that's the same thing. <laughs> it's exactly the same. <laughs> and well, that's what I think of Wang Miao. Like, in like Asian languages, their names, like the character also means other like regular words. So, but it's not a name, but it's also their name. So like we don't have that concept in the Western languages. Unless you name your kid something like Flower. Unless you shop at Goop. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have a beer before we shift to talk more about the Wangs in this book uh, to steal myself. I really wanted to have this 
the book is called The Three-Body Problem, and we'll get into what the three-body problem is. But you know what else is probably a three-body kind of problem? If you had a triple dog. So, <laughs> I know as I started drinking it, but I'll pretend I'm opening it. This is from, <laughs> this is from Flying Dog, and it's called Triple Dog, Triple IPA, and it is 18.5% alcohol. Hot damn. damn. That is... You could tell it's strong, but you would think it's like 12%. You would what not think it beer is this? Who makes it? Flying Dog. I mean, no, what, what kind? IPA. So it's the third strongest IPA I think we've had on the podcast. You have to and, the whole uh, thing yourself. I, say, I, I have more bottles. I could save one for us. <laughs> it is uh, like any other beer that gets into this range, especially if an IPA, like a lighter style, it's... There's a there's a, a considerable burn to it. You can't really hide that behind like super sweet flavors, like when you have these stouts and they just dump like peanut butter or marshmallow in it, and you're like distracted by it. I had the, a, the I think it was Raging Bitch from them. That was like not 18, but it was like probably like 12 or 13. And that Raging Bitch, I want to say, is eight and a half or nine somewhere in that is area. Is that it? Oh, that one, that one burned a little bit. This this is good. this is like you need penicillin burn. This is this is intense. I had one the other day when I first bought this four pack. Then I had some other beers, and I was wondering the next day, like why I felt really shit. It's like I only had four beers. Like wait a second, one of those was like a secret Trojan horse beer that had several several other beers within it, and now they're just ravaging my body. It's a different type of three body problem. <laughs> so this is great. It's it's just if you're like it's. And calling it an IPA is kind of silly. I mean, it is, I guess, but it's really just like a barley wine, strong ale or something. For twenty bucks a four pack, though, you gotta have it. You gotta do it. Twenty bucks for a four pack of that? Something like that. Yeah, I, pay. I didn't pay much. Oof. Okay. That's like eleven beers. It's it's this it's the next cheapest thing than buying just a quick thirty rack of Pabst or something. <laughs> oh yeah, Nate, tell us about that Wang. So, <laughs> Wang. <laughs> is uh, a scientist. He is also a physicist, but he's not a astrophysicist. He does nanotechnology. And he's invited to this... There, but I really didn't understand what was going on at first, but then you start to get the idea. So anyway, he's being invited to go to this meeting, but he's like, no, I can't go to the meeting. But he goes to the meeting anyway, and he's like, you know what, fuck you guys. I don't want to join the frontiers of science because you guys won't even tell me what's really going on so he doesn't then well, he goes no, home frontiers of science is a different thing the frontiers of science they want him to spy on them frontiers of science he was invited to frontiers of science and he's like i don't know what this is and then the cops show up and bring him to a meeting where all the all a bunch of cops are and like the cia and the british and american military are there they're talking about some sort of war he doesn't understand he doesn't know what they're talking about and they tell him there's this crazy shit going on. It's a big secret. Basically, we're keeping it on the down low. Keeping it on the down low. All of China's most prominent physicists have been killing themselves lately. And he's like, that's wacky. It's because they're working in an iPhone factory. <laughs> <laughs> they have those nets. But it's basically, they're saying they found a suicide note in, in, by the, uh, the body of them. And this, this note says... Physics has never existed and will never exist. And they're like, that's weird. Because, you know, they've all been, <laughs> they've been doing these experiments at the particle accelerators, but something's going wrong and they don't understand what's going on. 
but they're looking at them all the time to figure out what it is because they've got tunnel vision. Because <laughs> it's a big tunnel. This is tunnel vision from 12%, but it's not 12%. It's only 5.7%. That's an IPA. And it's very nice. It's very light, effervescent. And, you know, like the others, it's kind of like others. And also very bitter afterwards. Yeah, it's, it's like every other IPA in this range. It's very good, but it's hard to tell one from the other. What? Yeah, it's good. So they're like, okay, here's the thing, Mr. Wang. We need you to join this Frontiers of Science group because they're involved somehow, and we got to figure out what's up, and you got to be our man on the inside. And he's like, okay. But he's like fighting with like the, the other, the bad cop. Was that she? Da Who? she. Or she da, who who's just smoking a comical amount of cigarettes. He's basically a walking cigarette. Like he must have just had his neck studded with tracheotomy holes so he could smoke more cigarettes at a time. Like a cactus. He's like it's like Hellraiser with cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> He's just smoking relentlessly. At one point, he pulls over his car in a cloud of like. Dense smog comes out of it, <laughs> and this is in China. Like the, the amount of smoke that this man produces, he's is also the guy noticeable. who walks into the he walks into the meeting with the American general, and like takes the dude's cigar butt out of his ashtray and just starts smoking it. Like picks it up off the he he'd finished smoking old people's butts like a weirdo. Hey, hey, hey you, are you going to finish that cigar? That's, <laughs> that's a level of gross. I've never encountered before. <laughs> You've been sucking on that thing for a while. Can I have it? Well, well it's like Carl Weather is like, oh, hey, hey, that ain't, yeah. that, take that home. <laughs> put that in a, you got a cigar stew going. You got to put a ham bone. <laughs> <laughs> Nate has no idea what the fuck we're talking about. Okay. No. God damn it. Watch well, he's going to go. He's like, all right, I'll think about it. I'll join this group, whatever. And then he's like, I'm going to go do some photography because I love photography. And so he's going around taking pictures of shit. And he gets his picture developed and suddenly he sees there's a weird thing showing when I was pictures. It's like a countdown. And he notices that it's counting down whenever he took a picture. Well, it's a, it's a time code. And the yeah. first one is 1200 colon zero zero colon zero zero colon zero zero. And then literally the next picture, because these are, he's, these are on film, he develops them. The next picture says... Uh, 1,159 colon 59 colon 59. And it's like, literally, he took it a second later and it's got definitely gone down by exactly one second. And each of the pictures in the, in the, in the roll has this like cl- countdown, has this clock in it. And he determines that it's counting down and that 1,200 must be hours. And that, that's, uh, in that for some reason the clock is going to count down. And he, like, first is like, what's going on? And he, like, goes out and takes some more pictures. And each one of them has the thing. Then he, like, goes and hands the camera to his wife and says, take a couple of pictures and then I'll take the rest. And then he develops those. And the pictures his wife took did not have the countdown in the frames. But the ones he did still have the, still has the countdown and it's still going down. And he tries it with his son. Here, take some of these too. What's his son's and name? then. What was it? Did, did he, was it Wang Jr.? <laughs> I don't remember. What was it? I think it was Wang Doo-Doo. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Was it? He's not even in the like cast of characters in the beginning. He's not even like a number two character. <laughs> <laughs> well, he does have a pretty shitty part in the book. <laughs> so uh, Wang doesn't know what's going on, and he goes to see Shen. He okay. I don't know. I don't. He goes Shen to see a bunch is, of Shen people. Shen is her name. He goes to see Shen and. Uh, she's playing this weird video game with this like ultra VR thing with the, not only do you wear like a head thing, like VR glasses, but you also, um, have this body suit on that can even simulate hot and cold. It's going to be important later. And then, and she's like, Oh yes, I'm just playing this game. And Wang is like, you don't play games like you're, that's kind of weird. But anyway, she talks to him and. I forget what she says. She says, you have to stop your research. Oh, that's right. You have to stop. And he's like, why? I can't tell you. Well, no, she says the countdown, right? The countdown. Because at this point, no, not yet, but soon. At this point, he's like wondering what the countdown is. And she goes, Shen is the lady from the Frontiers of Science group that has invited him to join. And she says, you have to, you have to stop your research and then the countdown will stop. And he's like, that doesn't, what, what are you talking about? He's like, that's all I can say. Get the fuck out of my house. Or not really, but pretty much. So then he goes to sleep and wakes up the next day, and he can see the countdown in his eyes. That's right. He can see it in his eyeballs wherever he looks, and it, like, changes. So if he's looking at something that's white, the countdown will be in black. But if he's looking at something that's black, the numbers will appear in white. So it's clearly adjusting itself so that he can always see it. He can't avoid it. And then he goes to the lab goes to the lab she and said, he's like shut down shut down the thing because he's in charge of making this nanotechnology filament thing which was honestly pretty stupid but does come back later in the plot that was that was important but he says shut it down shut it down and so they shut it all down and then he somehow is told like well, the countdown stops oh, and, the, and the countdown stops and he also gets told like hey you need to go and watch the cosmic microwave background. Well, she says the universe tonight. will blink or something. Yeah, It'll, he calls he calls Shen to say like a countdown has stopped. She says, "Go on this website and then go to this go to see the, how the universe is going to flicker in three days." And and it prints out a Morse code chart. Yes, and so he yes, and so he eventually does that. He goes to this thing and he goes to this um, astronomy. It's very Place. conveniently located lab because, like, yes. one of them is in like Turkmenistan, practically. Like, it was and super far west China. Like, and they hand him these like special newly engineered glasses that, when you put them on, you can actually see the cosmic micro- microwave background, even though it's not invisible light. It actually translates it from to from whatever it is, like microwaves, obviously, to invisible work. light. And so he can see it, and then when he's watching it at just the right time, he sees that it does start flickering. And not only is it flickering, but it's not a regular flicker, it's irregular, but then he realizes it's Morse code, that the cosmic microwave background is flickering at him, and it's doing Morse code, and when he translates it, it's the lyrics to Never Gonna Give You Up by Rick Astley. (laughs) (laughs) Damn it. God Fuck it. I knew it. <laughs> and then it's the countdown again, starting at like 11, 
Oh, the final countdown. (laughs) So it was. (laughs) But also, what the fuck is going on? That in between waiting for the three days, he goes to play the weird game she was playing, which is the three-body problem. So he goes and steals a V suit from work and then goes home and plugs it in. Maybe he's playing it at work. It's like ready player. The first time's at work. At work. And then he's... So he goes and plays it. So it's go to threebody.net is the, like the number three. The discreet billing porn site he goes to. (laughs) (laughs) And he logs in and, and he puts on the V suit and, you know, the virtual reality glasses. And then he's like in this whole like crazy game, except is it a game? But it is a game. It felt like the game from Ender's Game, like the weird game they played. It's what like every it? game in a book where it's written by someone who's never played a video game. Yeah, it's, like it's more no like it's more objective. Like being part you just of wander inter- around and talk to Isaac Newton. Yeah, it's like an interactive movie. But there, but those other people, many of those other people are other players. It's it, hard I to got tell. Half Ender's Game, half Ready Player One vibes from it. You know, between like the ha- the haptic suit or whatever the fuck they were wearing. Yeah, and then just going there and, and talking to the. Robotic ghost of Confucius. <laughs> well, the, the, what happens in the game is is a, a big part of the story, which is very important. They're living in this world in the game where they don't know when the sun is going to rise or set, and they don't know when the world is going to end because periodically everything will burn and periodically everything will freeze. It sometimes gets super hot. Sometimes it gets super cold. Um, Just like the Katy Perry song. Was Nate singing "Hot and Cold" by Katy Perry? So anyway, so this in this weird like world thing, and then when it gets really cold, all the people dehydrate. It's like people go around yelling "dehydrate, dehydrate," and everyone dehydrates themselves, and then just waits, I guess, for it to warm back up again. And then it's also, but it strangely weird, weirdly, also has to do with history, specifically Chinese history, because the beginning of the game, the the person that he first meets when he gets in there says. Or maybe the game says it's the Warring States period, and well, they, they name are, it that. I mean, it's it's that way the first time he plays because he names himself a Chinese name. Because later he, on, when he names himself an English name or a Western name, the whole game changes because the, the game adjusts to where his name you is like are. a pun on his name. Wait, what you oh, yeah, said earlier like about how thing. you know the characters that make up your name also, and he I forget what, it, but like. He's like, his name also could mean, like, dude who likes waves or something like that. Something so like he, that. It's something like that he calls himself. Although the eras in the game also correspond with, essentially, like, scientific knowledge. Like, this very first era in the game he's in, which is called the Warring States period, is also, like, the earliest period of Chinese history. Uh, before, that is, the period before recorded, before recorded history in Chinese history. And it's also in the game... The point of the game is to figure out why is everything so weird? Like, why why is all this weird stuff happening? And it's just, just kind of like come up with figure out why in a sort of a scientific scientific sense. But the people other the other people there are basically they think it's some like magic like shamanistic magic thing, and they're you know they can't. And the whole point is they're trying to pre- they want to be able to predict when is it going to be a cold cycle or when it's going to be a chaos era or when it's going to be a a normal era stable, stable era yeah it's a very Table. dynastic cycle though 
Yes, but it's very like chaos because in the chaotic era, it will, you know, the sun will come out and it'll burn everything and then it'll go back down a couple hours later and then it will freeze and it will go down to like not only just freeze all the water, it will go down to like absolute zero and all of the nitrogen and oxygen will freeze solid and fall to the ground or float out into space. Um, and But it's also this chaotic era, but then there will ra- randomly be, or what it seems random at the time, there will be a stable era where it'll be where there'll just be a regular what we would think of as like normal like sun weather conditions for maybe it's only for a couple days maybe it's for a year or two maybe it's for several years and no one can figure out why but the point is to not actually the point is to figure out why because what they want to do is those the way you beat the game or whether you beat the way you beat the first level is figure out why is this happening just you just say the solution out loud or tell the solution to the king and then you get to level two. But most players are like, where the fuck is the warp whistle? I know if I just <laughs> duck behind this white block, I'll get there. Oh, we also skip some we skip something else important. Uh well he finishes the game or he logs off of the game the first time because the world explodes. Um and every time at the end of the game the world explodes, it says like it civilization 96 has ended. They made it to the warring states period because some stable areas, stable areas get further into what is essentially our history of, as, of civilization and level of science, which is why the first time they're like using witchcraft, but that'll change later. But then the place he, the person he talks to, to give him the place to go see the universe looker is, yeah because she was the mother of the latest scientist to, to commit suicide. And then probably some other stuff happens, but the most, most important thing is that he basically goes back into the game again. Because well, what he uh, does for the next like 50 he, pages. Well, he, he sees the universe looker, and then uh, the cop shows up again, and he has an amazing line. He says, I'm a simple man without a lot of complicated twists and turns. Looked in my throat, and you can see out my ass. <laughs> I, I liked that. It was very... Yeah, it was like, very oh. um, Hard-boiled detective ring to it. <laughs> it does, and and then the cop I ate tells street him, meat for lunch. You could see right through me. There's nothing left inside. <laughs> it's like what is it? The Naked Gun. Where he says, uh, "It'll it's like eating like eating a spoonful of Drano. It'll clean you out, but it'll leave you feeling hollow inside." <laughs> <laughs> and then the cop tells him the story is. That the scientist, the military won't say, someone is at war with science. And they want to stop science. And he doesn't know who, though. Doesn't know why, doesn't know who, but that's what's happening. And then we jump back in time to, yeah, right? Um, I believe so. We start getting the background of the Red Coast, or whatever the fuck it was called. The Red Coast base. She tells him what happened to her there. So, yeah, uh, was like basically a tech, only just a technician at the base. But then they start, because she's good, and uh, they give her a little bit more responsibility and a little bit more responsibility. And then one of the higher-up dudes trusts her, though nobody else does. But the one higher-up dude starts to tell her, okay, here's what's really going on. And they eventually bring her into a bigger meeting that says, okay, we're really going to tell you what's going on here, but you can never leave. And she's like, okay, fine. So they tell her, and they're doing all of this, what was this, all this military research, but they're also looking for 
They're also looking for extraterrestrials. They're do they're they want to look for um, if there are if there are aliens. He's like, huh, that's funny. But in the middle of, but I guess the big thing. I guess this when we find out this stuff. No, I think you find out later. Uh, I'm looking. I took notes, but it's a lot of like real like hard science stuff. Like before we get into weird science, there's a bunch of like actual physics stuff and theories of civilization and shit like that. What it boils down to is if we were to reach another civilization of aliens of some kind, you would need to send a very powerful signal out into space. And with the kind of technology we have, we physically can't do it yet. Any, they also that talk would, about what would happen, you know, theories of what would be, happen if we were to learn about the existence of intelligence life. And... Yeah. You know, like some some people optimistically think it would bring everyone together. Other people think it would be extremely divisive, and that some people would just just fucking turn to chaos. And also, some people say that if you were to contact aliens, they would wipe us out because if they could get here, they're sufficiently advanced that we would not pose a threat at all. Foreshadowing, because uh, then you you like find out about that, and then. It goes back to Wang. And Wang goes back into the video game, into the three-body problem. But this is where, after seeing it a couple times, he has put the clues together, and he says that, well, you know, sometimes you know, sometimes there are two stars at night, and it'll turn into night, and there'll be two stars in the sky, or two, like, bright stars. And they sometimes them, there are three um, bright stars. stars and when or falling stars. Shooting stars, right. And then there are three, that means that it's definitely going to be a, a chaotic era. And it's going to be frozen. That's like, that's going to be death. But this is where he, he figures out what's going with. He's got a physics background. He says, I know what's going on. I know why this world is like this. It's because this we're living in a solar system or this video game is taking place in a solar system where there are three stars. The reason why it's chaotic is because of the, of the nature of the three body problem. Whereas it's really, it's easy to have two like stars uh, orbit around each other. That's very simple. But once you add a third, it becomes complete chaos. Just the chaos. You mean, you mean, in terms of the math of predicting where things are going to be. It's not necessarily... Well, not just the math of predicting where things are going to be. It's where things actually are. Like the, the orbits turn into this crazy... There's no... Crazy configurations no that like don't repeat. They don't like repeat each other in a regular pattern. And they just keep going in what seems like a very random kind of thing. And that mo- a lot of the time, one of the, uh, one of the three stars will just get like kicked out. And it'll just be... It just because it's completely unstable. So it's chaos. It's chaos in terms of not only the math of trying to predict where things are going to be, but it's also chaos. That's why it's so hard to predict where things are going to be. I just want to clarify. I, extremely unstable. I, I, you're right. I just want to say, like, when people hear chaos, they think that means, like, anarchy. Here it is that we're talking about predictability. Yes. As opposed to just, like, oh, it's just wild. I mean, it is wild shit because it's, like, planets and stuff. But... It, in this case, it is actually both. It's like both those things. It could also be that the pattern is a real pattern, but it might repeat itself at such an incredible length of time that it's, for all intents and purposes, unrepeating. 
Unpredictable, yeah. So anyway, Wang says that the reason why everything is so weird is because we're a planet around one of those stars. It's actually not around one. We It keeps bumping between the three different stars, depending on how close we're getting. And so... Sometimes we there are zero stars in the sky and we're freezing. Sometimes there's one and it's pretty seems fine, but it can go back and forth an unpredictable length of time. It's because there were three stars and they say, No, that can't possibly be. There have never we why have we never seen three stars in the sky? And he says, Well, if there are ever three stars in the sky, everything will get burned to a crisp immediately. Like, there's no time to even write down, oh, oh, shit, there are three stars. There are three suns. Oh, no. There isn't even time for that, because everyone will just get burnt to a crisp. There isn't even time to dehydrate, because still, when it gets too hot or too cold, everybody just dehydrates. And he's, like, solved the thing. And immediately after that, basically, oh, there are three stars. Uh Uh-oh. And then the sort of, like, game over and it says this era oh this era has progressed to level 2 it has made it from the warring states period all the way to um the, level the middle two, ages level two thing I all the way just, to the middle ages isn't just the person gets to level 2 and like the civilization didn't end in this one oh no well what this is like civilization 137 ended after oh, blah, blah 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 yeah. blah but this civilization made it from the Warring States period all the way through the late Middle Ages. Oh, you have progressed to level two. <laughs> so he's like, wow, that's weird. And so he like, I guess I won or I guess I'm done for now. And he takes off his like headset and he immediately gets a phone call. Right? No, or is that after level well, three? He, he, no, he, uh, after level, that's level three. Because uh, right after this, he goes to see Shen again. And he's talking, he talks to her husband who is just there. And he's like this, weird math genius who just loves math and he talks about how he spent his life spent his whole life on the three body problem independently of all this like he was doing it before but doing it in the weirdest way like the most unconventional way because he's probably oh he's on the spectrum he's a little spectrum yeah this is all he cares about he married shen they don't ever fuck they just he does math and she says you have to do your math and she like keeps me like a math pet, and she's like, "You have to solve the thing." And then, uh, but someone, he does it by like envisioning like numbers. He's got like some as, sort of like as geometric math, figures and shit like that. It's like math synesthesia, yeah, which is the most boring synesthesia, really, for being honest. Yeah. Um, when I see math things, I see different math things. <laughs> <laughs> well, he is he's telling he's telling Wang this shit, and he says, like, "Well, yesterday." Someone called to say, uh, you better stop your research or you're, they're going to kill me. And then I woke up in the middle of the night and Shen, my wife, was holding a gun on, my, on me and saying, you have to keep doing math. So, you know, a normal Asian kid upbringing. Well, she says, you have to keep trying to solve the three body problem or I'll kill you. Yeah. So he's really stuck. First practice your cello for two hours. <laughs> Tiger wife. It's the worst kind. Unless you're a tiger. <laughs> <laughs> but that guy tells his story, and everyone like interrupts him. He's like, dude, your story sucks. <laughs> like, yeah, like, this is a really stupid story. It's, it's, it's a fucking cop. It's a dashi saying, like, what's going on? There's too much math in this story. <laughs> the story blows. Like, I can't believe 
we've been listening all this time, and this is the only thing you're telling us? <laughs> They're just mean to his shitty story. And it does take a really long time to tell his stupid story about how... He's like, well, it started when I was a child. <laughs> like, I and I like was bad ahead, at math. Man. Then someone kills Shen off page. And he's like, oh, we better go figure out what's going on with this. And uh, her husband's like, hey, she was arguing with some guy... And he was saying some weird shit about our Lord's power against the human race. They're like, oh, that's an odd thing to talk about with a person. Because at this point in the book, there's still no mention of aliens, except for that one radio saying, we're trying to find aliens. And you're like, huh, I wonder if this is about aliens. <laughs> and then he goes into the game again, where they build computers out of armies. The, sem- the semaphore computer that they make. <laughs> so then he goes into level two. And then now there are other players in level two. And the other players are... Isaac Newton and von Neumann, and they are, I forget his first name, Baron and, von and Neumann. they are like de- telling the king, like, hey, we've got this like new thing we can do, but we're, we're going to use people to be, well, he doesn't tell them to be a computer, or it's more like it's a wang that says, I know, let's call it a computer. First, they demonstrate like logic gates. It's like, okay, we'll get three guys, two, one, one in front, two behind. They each have two colored flags, and if you, you if it's like you tell the guy in front, if the first two holds up, they both hold up the black flag. You hold up the black flag, but if he, but if, he, if it's only one of them, then you don't. You hold up the white one, and he's at, he's uh, demonstrating the logic gates that are inside a computer. And then we can chain these together, and we can. And if you give me thirty million soldiers and put them in the right configuration, we can calculate, you know, the chaotic eras and stable eras for the next hundred years or something like that. And so they do. It's a good thing this is ancient China. 30 million people, that's nothing. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Here they are. And so they they set this up, and he's also talking about, well, this is the RAM of the computer, and this is we're going to call the hard drive, and it's all, like, represented by people, literally, just holding flags. Although, in reality loading all of that information like just going down the line and being like you're a you're a one you're a zero you're a zero you're a one you're a one you're a one you're a zero just to get the program started insanely that would take forever that would take years so because <laughs> just so many bits uh, anyway so they basically are able to demonstrate how a computer works simply through people 30 million people uh, and they calculate when the next stable era is going to be or more like they keep they keep the guys alive during the during the chaotic era just so they can keep calculating and then they finally come to a result but they get the result at the exact same time that there's a um tri solar event it's, it's an eclipse three, it's 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 the three sun syzygy because all three suns are in a line so the gravity gets all messed up anyway this is just the author Showing off the weird physics stuff. He's like, hey, wouldn't this be cool? Because <laughs> if there were three suns, then the three suns' gravity is going to... Because uh, if there's the gravity of three suns, it's going to lessen the gravity of the planet. Or they you know, go in the opposite direction of the gravity of the planet. And so people are, like, drifting off into space. Like, hey, isn't that cool? But then it also, like, ends the era. Isaac Newton, like, runs away. And he's like, oh, just let me go check my calculations one more time and then leaves and then runs away. Nobody can find him. And then, but at the same time, at the end of that, it says, oh, well, 
Civilization number 192 ended after 432 days, but this pro this did progress. This civilization did progress to the enlightenment. Uh, actually, they didn't use enlightenment. They said through the Middle Ages and through the they, industrial era into the something era. I don't know. I forget exactly which one they said. It's the one with Einstein. Is that the atomic era? Because they like no, understand because uh, that joins late. Because the next time he goes back to the game, they've already passed it. They jump that. But one. I think that's what it says at the end of the chapter, like when they no, lose. maybe maybe he made it to the beginning of it. But either way, the world ended, and then he goes back into the real world and he gets a call saying, "Hey, you're pretty good at this game. Come and meet us at a place where we can have some convention." And I was like, "Oh, I've been to those. Everyone smells." It's like what? It's like nothing. Uh, just come to this meeting. Do I have to wear a costume? So they go. He goes to the meeting. And uh, the organizer is a man named Pan Han, and he's the guy that was arguing with Shen and might have killed her. And what Pan tells the people that got there, there's like eight people, and they go through everyone. It's like, oh, they're all kind of social elites. Like, one's a famous celebrity, and one's a very important vice president at a factory or PR firm or some shit like that. And there's like eight of them there. He says, okay, everybody, you guys go to the game. I'm going to tell you the truth now. The world of the game is real. And we have been, there's the, there's a planet called Trisolaris and the Trisolarans are real aliens and they dehydrate themselves like in the game. It's like, oh, that's weird. That's a weird thing to throw it in there. (laughs) And then he says weird questions like, how would you feel if Trisolaris civilization were to enter our world? And they're all uber misanthropes and they're like, good, they'll kill us. Many of them feel like humans have dropped the ball and we need to be wiped out or we need to be fixed. And we can't do it ourselves, and we need help. Or we should be wiped out. But if people are like, no, that's dumb. Fuck that. And he makes those people leave. <laughs> you can't be in the club anymore. <laughs> I'll show you how, be- how terrible people are. You have to we're the, leave. <laughs> we're the he-man human haters club. <laughs> and then they leave, and they're like, good. Now we can get down to real business. Don't we Playing suck? the game. <laughs> <laughs> and then... Then he goes back to the game, and it's he gets to basically level. like modern times, but it's the last civilization, and they're like, "Hey, we've been ricocheting around these suns forever. Every other planet or system is gone. Eventually, we're going to be just devoured by the sun, like every other planet here. We've got to go, and we're going to leave this planet. Goodbye." I mean, they start boarding their. Special special ships, and like we found a planet that's like four light years away, and he's it like, I like bet it's Earth forty sevens, and Lord Zenu sent them. <laughs> he's like, that's, I, if I had to guess, I would bet that's Earth, and they're like, wow, what, what are the odds? Hundred billion stars in the light in the galaxy, and they've hmm. got to go a really long way. So here, they've got to come out of the, you know, to, to wherever they're going from or they are going to. It's you know, I'm not phrasing this right, but basically it's the origin of darkness. <laughs> collective Arts? This is the Collective Arts series. Uh, this one is a collaboration with Collective Arts and Equilibrium. And this is Origin of Darkness. It's an imperial stout double barrel aged in bourbon, bourbon and tawny port barrels with cherries, vanilla, and cacao nibs. And it's 11.8%. It's very fruity. It's a lot of cherry. That's surprising. Ooh, it's a heavy boy. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, it definitely feels like it's a 
12% almost. It's not 18, but it'll do. But I'm surprised this how much of this fucking, fucking cherry, like compared to all the other shit, it's like this is just like a cherry drink. Ooh, okay. We we should say that these beers, from the 18% down to the more modest 12%, yeah. and, and, and even lower, are brought to us by our supporters over at Patreon. If you want to support the podcast, you can head over to patreon.com slash drunk guys book club, where you could support the podcast and get early access to episodes, vote in our monthly book poll, get shouted out, get tangible goods, and get exclusive content, and so much more. You'll have to go there to see it all. And if that's not your thing, that's cool too. You can just um, help the podcast out by leaving a review wherever you are listening. And just make sure it's five five stars. Take the number of body problems you have and double it. Add two. <laughs> Unless you have five Double body it, problems. but subtract one. Cut they it in half limit you to five. double it. <laughs> or just tell someone to check out the podcast. That helps too. So Wang then, because he's seen like the final level of the game... He goes to basically the meeting. It, he then is invited to the meeting of all of the. Um, well, they have a meet. They end the game. They're like the game is over. The, they're closing the servers because the servers weren't in China. You know, it was like a very mysterious game, and um, they they send a message out like the game is ending. Play while you can, but we're gonna have a meeting here, and then it's a huge crowd of people in this old warehouse or something. And then craziness happens there. It's sort of like it's clearly the meeting of these almost like seems like religious cult secret society thing. But it's all the people who are playing the game and they're like, oh, hey, oh, hey, you're Copernicus. Hey, that's cool. And they're just kind of no, standing I'm... around and then, oh, the leader's coming. And then the leader comes out and it's, it's yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I reckon I was like, oh, it's that person. But I don't even, I couldn't even remember because the names are so unfamiliar to me, if that was a male or female name at times. Also, the names they give you are last names, so there aren't male or female names. Like, it really doesn't matter, though. You know, for me, it has no context, like, there's no shit about Chinese culture. Not that they should have, like, given them American names in the the localization of the book, but it's just like, sure, that's a person. No, yeah, it's, it's difficult when you're reading names that are foreign. Like when I read Battle Royale and there was like 70 characters to know, I was like, this isn't going to go well. At least this one's got like five, but it was still hard. <laughs> and it does make it, it doo-doo at times. I'm trying to understand. Wang <clears throat> doo-doo. So this is where, so the, the leader of this whole thing is, in, in fact, his friend, yeah. And she's like, let me tell you how I started this whole thing. And then you get another flashback scene from her where she's working in the lab, you know, with the astronomy lab at the Red Coast Base. And she still never left. And they're doing this search for, you know, they're, they're like monitoring the sky for any incoming signals that could signify, um, you know, extraterrestrials. And... Something comes in. She's there looking at the monitor or looking at the printout or whatever, and something comes in. And it says, well, it's literally, it's been decrypted because they have a also, com- computer we, we program. Skipped, we skipped the first part where she had an idea to use the sun as a mega antenna. Oh, yeah, that's and right. And she sends us a, a signal out 
like aims the telescope at the sun and says, "Good luck, space." She hits the button. Somehow discovers that, and this is this this is more a science fiction thing where if you point the right, if you with the right frequency and the right st- signal strength or amplitude, if you point it at the sun, the sun can become an amplifier and amplify the signal. But there aren't there aren't even many um, any many things on Earth that could even do that. But the Red Coast Base is one of those things. So she sends out a uh you know a microwave transmission and she's able to like fake it she's like during what is supposed to be maintenance she's like oh we're just gonna point it at the sun and just send a thing as just a test trial thing but she sends it at the sun which she acts as this amplifier and so for a few brief milliseconds the sun is in this particular wavelength the brightest thing in the galaxy wait are you saying that this is not good science a lot of it is good science. This is the fiction part. This is the science MacGuffin. So are you yes. saying some Egg of it is science MacGuffin. space junk? <laughs> <laughs> I think this is a new brewery for us. This is from Dubco, Destination Dubco? Unknown Beer Company. It's oh. called Science of Selling Space Junk. Want to guess what type of beer it is? <laughs> it is a fun I bet it has a lot of galaxy in it. You know, it actually doesn't say. They are in Bayshore, New York. Long Island? Uh, Maybe. Sure. It is. I was actually at a, There's a different there. brewery on Saturday, and uh, they had some Dubco <laughs> beers on tap there. Oh, we've had one of these before. I wonder what it was. Might have thrown up a Drunk Guys Book Club sticker in their bathroom on the way out. Uh, uh, oh, we had Unknown Roots at, on The Professor and the Madman. That like is a good. That is a good ago. name for that. <laughs> good job, us. I feel like that's a neat pick. No one knows. I, I, I don't. Wasn't as, I don't remember it at I all. Know it wasn't. It wasn't as good as severed penis ale from uh, other half or <laughs> cock chopper barley wine. We no. We read that on the Lorena Bobbitt uh, autobiography. <laughs> oh, <Louis. laughs> uh, yeah. How is it? It's fine. It's a. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's probably not yeah. much compared to the eighteen percent other one you have to drink. Oh, I don't have to water. drink it anymore. I drank all of it. It's gone. Oh my <laughs> god! Are you alive? Still? I'm sleepy. Are you a ghost? <laughs> I'm very sleepy. My eyes burn to keep them open. <laughs> this is this is basically refreshing now. After that, it's like I'm a. a on like the twenty fourth mile of a marathon, and I just grabbed a cup of Gatorade. <laughs> this is so much lighter, and it's well. It's fine. S- speaking of lighter, nine years later, after sending her message through the sun, which is light, uh, <laughs> nine years later <laughs> she gets clarifying. a response. She gets a response, and that response came from <laughs> the origin of darkness. <laughs> <laughs> This is a different origin of darkness. <laughs> I was going to do one for when she sent it out, one for when she got it back, but I was, that's too late in the book to do both of these. Uh, but I ended up doing close to it anyway. Fuck me. This is, origin, this is Collective Arts and Vitamin C Brewing. C like the ocean, but like smaller. Um, and this is an imperial stout aged in rum barrels with coffee, almonds, lactose, and speculus cookies which is like what a ghost eats i guess i don't know the speculus isn't that a gynecological tool yeah 
Yeah. So that's when you do it with a cookie. Yeah, that doesn't seem hygienic. From that. Nate, what do you? Um, Nate, this... do you know anything about this? <laughs> <laughs> I could just finally see your face day disgusted job as a gynecologist. A... <laughs> <laughs> this is ten point three percent, so it's basically a child's beer. Oh God, it's weird. Hmm. I don't know what that flavor is. Maybe it's all the nuts or the coffee. <laughs> it's all the almonds and coffee. I don't know. I don't know what a speculus cookie is, so I don't know what the fuck that's supposed to taste like. I'm going to look it up because I'm curious. I'm going to look what speculus is at all. Specu. Is it a brand? Loose. Speculus. Oh, it's a peanut butter alternative. Okay. Yeah, this tastes like peanut butter. That's what it is. It's an alternative peanut butter is my favorite band I ever saw open for fish. <laughs> <laughs> it's a crunchy cookie or biscuit popular in Belgium. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if that's made of this alternative thing. So uh, nine years later, yeah, is sitting in the lab, just like watching the, you know, watching the skies and, you know, just sitting there kind of doing whatever. And, when suddenly a signal comes in and it's decrypted by their special advanced 1987 software they're using that <laughs> um, is able to automatically say what the message is. So she sits, she's sitting there, she sees this message, and the message is, do not respond, do not respond, do not respond. You definitely don't want to respond, do not respond. And just it says that a bunch of times. And she's like, huh. That's I weird. What mean by that, and then thirty <laughs> seconds later, another message comes in. And the message says, "We are aliens from another planet." I forget exactly what the second message was, but it's like, don't it, if they, well, you don't you don't hear about the second message until much later. Oh, you don't even it doesn't tell you what that was. But she, no, they have to do the whole thing and then where they go there within minutes. Yeah, decides. You know what? I'm going to respond because fuck humanity. She's had a hard life, and she's taking it out on all of us. Everything sucks, you know. And she's like, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go, and I'm just gonna hit, uh, I'm just gonna hit respond. I'm, I'm just gonna like do the thing again with the pointing the telescope at the sun and making it really bright. So she does the equivalent of hitting reply all. She just says the, she does the dick move. <laughs> she she sees everybody. <laughs> I want to reply with no body, no 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 text in the body. Fuck them. <laughs> reply no, all. It's actually, no subjects even worse. <laughs> it's a nobody problem. <laughs> and she's like, and I won't tell anybody. Fuck them. But wait to make sure. But then she's immediately found out. So she has to like, within days, engineer a way to like murder her husband. Oh yeah, because she went and married the. Well, the head. guy. Of the base, dude. She she married some guy at the base, and then there's another guy at the base who's like the political officer, like in Red October, where his job is just to like be a rat. And he had been copying everything onto like a system for himself, so he knew that something came in, but he didn't know that she replied again. But he was going to find out. So he says, "Well, I've got to kill this guy, so he doesn't tell anyone that I told the aliens, hey, we're here, stop on by.'" And uh, so he's. She uh, she sabotages a uh, some some you know technical part that is conveniently placed over the side of a cliff that he has to like rappel down to re- to repair. And when he's down there, her husband comes over and is like, "Oh, I'll go fix him." She's like, "No, you should go do something else." 
Uh, it's like, no, I'm going to go fix him. Like, you should really go to something else, man. It's like, no, I'm going to help him. It's like, all right, dude. So when they're both down over there, she cuts the rope and kills them both. So no one will know what happened but her. Well, I get the alien strategy is to just cold call planets. Well, the alien strategy is we've got to find a planet to cold call. Because you can't just, like, launch out into space and say, we'll stumble upon something. As they said in Under Siege 2, <laughs> that's why they call it space. There's a lot of it. Is that actually a quote from that movie? Yes, it is. <laughs> Aren't they on a train in Under Siege 2? Yes, but they have to shoot down a satellite that causes earthquakes. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, do. they're like saying, like, oh, how are we going to know which one to shoot? There's so much up there. And one of the little tech side guys is like, that's why they call it space. And the general's like, what'd you say, son? Speak up. It's like, I said, that's why they call it space. It's a lot of it. It's like, Thank you, son. Don't talk again. <laughs> it's a great film. Eric Bogosian as a supervillain. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay. But the science in that is only a little softer than this. <laughs> so, okay. So, um, then a bunch of things happen, and yeah, is basically like they close down Red Coast Base, and she'd like let her just go and just like be a professor, because she's now an expert in astrophysics, and so they do that, and then it's sort of, and then she's like, oh, and now I'm done telling my story to the crowd. And then at that exact moment, the police and the army bust in. No, it's the, it's the army. The People's Liber- Liberation Army bust in, and they're like, oh, everybody, put your hands up. And one of them is like, we have nuclear bombs. And they're like, oh, shit, is that true? Wait, just shoot it, and it'll blow up, but it won't like set off the nuclear bomb. It'll just go boom it'll just make a little explosion so they do that and then they're able to diffuse the situation or and they're able to like capture diffuse is a good word (laughs) right not diffuse because they actually set it off but they're able to capture everybody and only the person holding the bomb died and then they're able to then interrogate everyone and find out what really is going on and And then you also also find out about the american dude named bill evans what is it, Bill Evans? Bill Evans is the piano player. Mike Evans, <laughs> Mike Evans, is, Mike the, Evans. Uh, is the is the alien terrorist leader. But they just they, the uh, the guy who shot the bomb. You, it was the cop, and he used the power of sexism to find the weak link in the group. <laughs> when it's like there's a because there's a girl who's got to pull a gun. I was like, don't do it. I was like, what? She's gonna pull a gun. I was like, we found your mother. She's like, what? And then he shoots her. And later on, <laughs> later on, asks like, well, how did you know about him? I was like, I didn't. Any woman like that would definitely have mommy issues. It's like, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. But in in the group, we skipped over uh, that. There's there's this currently kind of a faction war in the alien lovers group between the Adventists and the Redemptionists. The Adventists clearly want the aliens to come and destroy humanity because we're not worth it, and the Redemptionists think that we can be uplifted or if we could save the trisolaran planet everything would be okay and we'd become friends but there's currently kind of a a fight between them and mike evans is like let's destroy humanity there's some brief you know uh backstory with yeah and mike evans where he's like trying to save a certain kind of swallow in the chinese forests and they cut down all the trees, and he's like, fuck it, I'm just going to burn down humanity because I'm the son of a billionaire, and I've got money for days. 
And she's like, what if I told you there were aliens and they're coming here? And he's like, that's cool. Tell me more. So then Mike Evans builds a new research center on a ship called Judgment Day. And then they like actually are able to intercept all of the uh, information coming from the Tri-Solarans. And then... By means we learn of later. Yes. Because then at the same time, uh, the the policeman dude and military dudes and Wang are like, we need to capture this ship called Judgment Day. We need to kill everyone. We need to like get the data on it. But we can't just like you know jump in with like helicopters because they it'll it'll only take them ten seconds to like wipe all the data. So we can't allow that to happen. And Wang says, "I know. We'll use the nano wire filaments I've made." No, it's we'll- it's, it's a. It's Dashi's plan because he knows about the monofilament and he's it, a fucking it, psychopath. <laughs> right. Because he's a policeman. He's seen the real criminal psychopaths. So that's why he understands them. But anyway, but they use Wang's nanomaterials to do it. So what they said, they apparently the ship, this is really that important. Ship is going to go through the Panama Canal. And so they're like, I know, let's use the net. We'll stretch a net of nanofilaments across the narrow, narrowest point of the Panama Canal. And when the ship goes through it, it'll just get sliced into a million pieces, including the people. And he's and like, you works. better do it during the day. Otherwise, they might be asleep and laying down. You got to cut them all apart. <laughs> and we'll miss. And it, and it works. So this it's like a, are so small. It's like a mandolin for slicing cheese. But for a boat, <laughs> <laughs> for a whole boat, exactly. They could slice through steel for a like, boat the size of a city, which had been foreshadowed earlier in the in the book when they asked the nanotechnology guy, like, "Could you use this to hurt stuff?" And he's like, uh, "Maybe." He he's slice like, you could sli- fucking anything. You could like garrot a car, and just cut it in half, and they're like, "All right, maybe." Don't remember. But also, that until they later. said. At the meeting, they told him, like, you have to stop your nano stuff. It's like, why? It's like, because you could build a space elevator. Oh, no. It's an express stop elevator to space. The stairway to heaven was too slow. (laughs) (laughs) And it wasn't handicap accessible. (laughs) Yes, they're still crippled when they die. Jesus. Wouldn't that suck? That would be uncomfortable. That would be really disappointing. (laughs) <laughs> it's like what I made you this way isn't this good enough <laughs> gee gee thanks God no no I get it now no, no, I've made my peace with it <laughs> and so uh, they like so a bunch of the information is actually captured and so they're able to like tell a little bit more what's going on and then the final like at least 10% of the book is this whole story from like the perspective of the king of the Trisolarans, it's from, quite it's from the sense. king and the and the, scientific the, the listening post guy who heard the message come in and is the one who said, "Do not answer." That's right. Yes, because the listening post guy knows the listening post Trisolaran. You know, in between dehydrations is like this. We found a planet. We, I know my species. We're just going to go and we're going to take it over and we're going to kill all of them. And it sounds like a nice planet. I feel bad for them. But he gets immediately found out that he sent do not 
do not answer, and it didn't work anyway, because the Trisolarans uh, build this, like, fleet of... First, they build this whole fleet of ships to send everybody to Earth, and they happen to be... And where are they? They're on Alpha Centauri, so they're only about four light years away. But it's going to take them 450 years to get to Earth. So, so Earth Nate has will some still time. be here when they land. I'll be merely middle-aged. Um, <laughs> so, uh, and, th- and then, so they build this whole fleet and they send it to Earth, but then they also do this thing about unpacking protons into two dimensions and then well, they, they're, creating what they're a doing computer super, and then well, sending them to Earth. They have to, they know that they, um, the humans, by the t- like, they see that they've, they've been in regular communication with the humans for some at some point, and they are understanding how the civilization is working. They see like our technological abilities are increasing exponentially. So, like every scientific era that they're well ahead of, we have gotten to quicker and quicker and quicker every stage. So, that by the time that they get there in 450 years, we will have surpassed them technologically, and we will be able to wipe them out. So, their only solution, therefore, is to stop humanity from advancing its science at all, and to do that they have to sabotage it. They have, you know, they have spies on Earth in the form of the betrayers of the people who are part of their cult. But they also need to do some weird shit. But they can't get there easily because they're four light years away. So the only thing they can send are two protons. And it's like, well, how, what good is that? It's like, it's plenty good if we can do some magic sci-fi shit to those protons. And it's like, well, how do we do that? It's like, we've got to make a proton into a supercomputer. And it unfolds into a, a dozen dimensions or whatever and well, fucks have, up all their particle uh, accelerators. Well, they have sufficiently advanced technology that they can manipulate dimensions. So a proton exists as a single point, which is one dimension. This is where it gets a little wacky. Where I mean, even if this is real, it's wacky. But if it's not real, it's still wacky. And it, it's, at, it's past the point of my understanding physics at all. So it might as well be fake, but it could also be real. But basically the idea is every time you go up a dimension, you get, it gets bigger because of all the stuff folded inside the dimension or some shit like that. So basically a single point... Somehow they're able to unfold a proton. Yes. A three-dimensional, but they're unfolded into two dimensions. But in two dimensions, a proton is gigantic. And, it uh, like and a, so all like the... A sh- like a, sheet of paper and then yeah the it's very thin you know plain it's, but it's, it is uh, like an it's not it's barely exists thin and so they and so they turn it into they're able to turn it well two dimensions into a computer that can like do stuff a supercomputer but then they can repack it into a proton and they can do two of these and they can send them to earth and which and they can get there in four light years because they can travel the speed of light because even humans can do that can can accelerate a proton to the speed of light. So they do, and then that was like the last 10% of the book, which was quite mind-bendy. Well, the, the, they call them the Sophons, because it's some sort of pun, again, that I don't get. Um, but these are the protons that are going into the particle accelerators and banging around and messing up everybody's experiments. So you can't... If they can't advance physics anymore... That puts a damper Essentially, on things. Essentially, experiments won't come out consistently. 
You could do the same experiment over and over again. It'll come out differently every time. And so you can't draw any conclusions from that. And therefore, science won't progress. And that was kind of the idea. I, and I feel like, and then it was like, oh, and the end. That's like the end of the book. Though I feel like there was one there's more a, thing. There was a little bit more. Uh, well, they have, they have two sofans here and two sofans there that they can use like walkie-talkies, um, which is why they can talk to each other. And basically, also, the sofans can travel at light speed, so they can be essentially everywhere on Earth at once. And they can spy... On everyone, so or they can like listen into everything. So they listen in. Trisolarans, Trisolarans can like hear everything that humans are doing. So they can't scheme, you know, like a plan to come up with something for the arrival of the Trisolarans for the next four hundred fifty years. Which is, you know, their only thing is like, what are we going to do when they get here? Probably die. But now everything we do, they'll know about it, and they'll be able to warn the fleet. And they're like, well, that's that's a downer. And so there's a little bit more, but basically that's the end of the book is the aliens are coming. They'll be here in 450 years and they're going to fuck our shit up. This was uh, definitely one of the weirdest books that we've read in a while. And we just read The Crying of Lot 49. <laughs> and this, this rivals that this. in weirdness. <laughs> I didn't know all the science words, but the plot made sense. I mean, it, if it were, it's, it's purposely told in a like thriller kind of way, you know, where you don't get that information up front. So you have to put it together and I, and it's like, Oh, okay, sure. We're doing that now. And to put it in, you have to figure shit out. It is definitely very helpful to understand what the hell is happening. Cause about a qu- halfway through when I realized I had to read this fast cause I was <laughs> taking too long. So let me just know what the fuck is going on here. So I know what to look for. And I was like, oh, I was supposed to notice those things? <laughs> well, what did you miss that you... I mean, I understood. I, I just... Honestly, all the long chapters of the fucking, uh, you know, the virtual reality game, I was getting nothing out of that shit. Because I don't really think there was much to get out of it. Like, It could have been explained more succinctly. Because it gets repeated later. It's like, hey, remember that thing there? This is what was happening. You know, like, oh, thank goodness you explained it to me. <laughs> it, I feel like that could have been pared down. So that was confusing. I wasn't, I wasn't sure what I was supposed to take out of it because I was like, I don't fucking know a whole lot about Mao Tzu or whoever the fuck it is, the warring states era philosopher that appears in it and Chin Shi Huangdi I mean, yeah, there's or whatever. Probably a lot in there. Probably a lot in there that was just like, it would, you know, it. it Maybe you get something out of it if it you know history stuff like if you knew like the like half the games were western so he was like Copernicus hanging out with Isaac Newton and shit but you didn't have to know the history too much to just realize like oh they're just getting further through history it's not really important so much as it's like figuring out what the point of the game is no like th- those sections are um, replete with de- details you're like these can't be here by accident. Like, mm. what, who the fuck is von Neumann and Isaac Newton and Albert Einstein? Like, why are they all here? And Pope Gregory V, or whoever the fuck it was in another <laughs> section. Who just keeps saying, burn him. Yeah. <laughs> like, but not even enthusiastically. <laughs> burn him. Well, he's done it so many times, he's kind of just, like, unenthused by it anymore. He hasn't figured out ball stomping yet. <laughs> 
<laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I, a lot of that, I, I was, I was just distracted. I think it's not like I didn't necessarily get it. I was, I was spending my energy trying to figure out other details that I didn't need to. And so then it's like, Oh, okay. I, here's I will, what I will, I'll, I will agree. The first time I read this, I mean, admittedly it was years ago, like before I got into like reading a lot, a lot. And it, this was like, this was a motherfucker to read the first time. I was like, Oh my God. But this time, like knowing the whole story and having read much longer, denser books, it was easier. I mainly only because I, I know I didn't, there was certain stuff didn't really matter, but also just like it was a, as a better reader. And also someone's read a lot more sci-fi since then. Mm-hmm. You're like, Oh, this is just sci-fi bullshit jargon. Okay, cool. I don't need to actually know the physics or it doesn't matter if it's real or not. Cause even if it's real, I'm not going to understand it anyway. Yeah. True. I actually thought the game was really cool, or at least I did this time, which is my second time reading through the book. I thought the game was pretty cool. Now that I knew what it was and what it was trying to like represent, kind of knowing ahead of time or knowing it was going to progress through the eras and they were going to like solve the scientific problems, like, oh yeah, I remember this. So I actually did think it was cool. But at first it's like, and everyone dehydrates, dehydrate, <laughs> dehydrate. The first time you're reading is like, what the fuck is this? Oh, my God. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's one of the weirder things I've ever read. But that's also kind oh, of yeah. why I liked it. But also, no, like, it, it's, hard to, it's hard to see this one independent of the other two, having read those. Because this is, this is basically like a giant prologue that could have been a third as long and, f- and done the same job. I mean, it, like, got the, 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 the point of this first one is, here's what's happening. Aliens are coming. They're fucking up science. They'll be here in 450 years. And the next book, the next two books, I think the next book entirely, I don't remember the, exactly where it breaks down, but it's about trying to get ready for the aliens to come. And it's very, very weird also because it's a mix of, like, weird philosophy and you know, double crossing, quadruple crossing and science talk and physics that might be real and might not be real. It's hard to tell, but they get, they get exponentially weirder and more insane as you go until the end of the third book where you're just like, I don't even know what the fuck, how we got to this point. I loved it. I did. I loved it. But it was just like, holy shit, this is a fucking trip. So why would you, you you love something that you don't understand? I you know I understand I understand it. It's very weird, and a lot of it feels like a lot of like sci-fi. Sometimes it gets like the point where like they're doing this, the the science aspect of it is so out there. You're like, it's, it's a lot of suspension of disbelief or suspension of not really understanding. Like I'm reading British History Time, that's all real. I don't understand it just as much as I don't understand this. Because I did very bad at physics in high school. I barely got through it. And that was like acceleration, not space time. <laughs> but also, you know, they get way more like sci-fi future techie than the other ones. So that's just fun. That's always fun. There's no space Jamaicans, I like though. that. <laughs> A lot of space Chinese. I can take it. All right. I mean, I'm not... It was fine. Uh, I didn't dislike the book. It was weird. Um, it is weird. It is weird. Absolutely, it's weird. Maybe, maybe we'll read the next book. I don't know. Save this one. 
people want us the to do it. Really. Problem. I am now curious. Now that I feel like I actually sort of understood this one, I'm now curious to read more of them. If you liked this one and understood it well enough, I th- I think they they just get better easily. They get better. Okay. Mm-hmm. This wasn't this wasn't bad. It was weird and a steep learning curve, but. I think that's kind of a lot of science sci-fi has that fucking learning curve. That's like a brick wall sometimes. That's that's well. I think that's the thing they do these days to contrast it with the old school. Here's a chapter where I explain everything to you, and it's <laughs> yeah. fucking boring kind of books. Here's what these words mean. Oh, that's what a Zorflax is. Oh, I'm glad I know that now. <laughs> I I saw a a thing, a, a quote of, or I heard a quote. And I looked it up to find out what the fuck it was. By uh, a guy named Frederick Pohl. He was like an old sci fi author. Bunch of books, yeah. And he said this. I thought it was interesting. I never thought of it this way. But it makes sense. It was a good science fiction book should be able to predict not the automobile, but the traffic jam. Hmm. And like having heard that and like reading this thing and other sci fi books are just like, it makes a lot of sense. You know, it's like you can just say laser gun or you can say space travel, but the point of it is not that. It's what happens because of that. So the point of this book is not aliens are coming. The point of it is what are people going to do about it? What will happen to humans because of what has been done? And there's a lot of shit in there. Like, yeah, it's ridiculous. Her name, her name can't be. Yeah, but that's how we have to say it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, she does this. She just basically dooms humanity because she thinks that it's not worth it. And then, you know, the Trisolarian guy basically tries to do the same thing. He says, you know... He I'm tries to doom his doom, whole species yeah. by not letting his species find out about the place that can save them. Because they've already had their planet torn in half by the sun, one of the suns, and it became like a moon nearby to them. Oh, yeah, that was and one of the levels in the game. Oh, yeah, maybe. But I think it also happened... The game was all based on their actual thing. So they are basically... They know that they're going... The planet's going to be consumed by the sun at some point. But they can't just launch out into space on a whim without any directions because it won't work. They'll, they'll just drift into nothingness. And you, the technology they currently have, they can get like one-tenth the speed of light, but it takes a hundred years to get to that point. And they need another hundred years to decelerate, and they can't just do it. So they have to go now, and they need a place to go. And he knows that. And so um, there's a lot of you know. I'm sure there's some like Chinese you know civilization stuff about that, like you know collective good or some shit like that that I'm not in any position to to think about after all these fucking stouts. But the point is like, what is humanity? Because because the rest of the books are about what humanity as a whole and its conflicts among itself ready to deal with the aliens and shit. And like, some of them are like trying to end humanity and stop them from, you know, being able to fight back. And some of them are like, we have to do what we can. Either we can escape earth and like go do some other shit, or we can like get ready to fight the aliens. And that's what everything kind of boils down to is does humanity band together? What do we do? How does knowing, knowing we will all die in 400 years, what course of action does humanity take? Just get in that big man pile and just start fucking each other. Well, just yeah, big orgy. of course. Then we won't last 400 years at that point, then. That's the goal. 
<laughs> but no, is there something to it that like it starts and you're talking about like how are people going to react and all this stuff and it starts with the cultural revolution which is just insanity you know yeah i had some real is questions is there about a that. message there or is he just capitalizing ha ah, on chinese recent history <laughs> i think you mean communism he, he was communizing He's communizing definitely so everybody got this, it this is the everybody thing to do this it. is the thing we this is the thing we I, I didn't don't really need to discuss on this because there's questions about it about his about the author's uh, supposed statements about the the Uyghur genocide going on about how he's like yeah we should do that is he allowed to say otherwise he'd probably just get death camped but for a lot of this book it seems like he's really criticizing the communist revolution well I think. Um he did portray. He did, he did portray the the greatly. I mean, not the great for the cultural revolution very negatively, which I think probably you must be allowed to do because Mao died in 1976, and then the country shifted from really like very like collective socialism to basically free market capitalism. And I think you know, with you know, now that decades have gone by since Mao died. People are allowed to say how much it sucked. Just like after Stalin died in a couple decades past, people were finally allowed to say how awful Stalin was in the Soviet Mm -hmm. Union. So, like, I think that must have have happened. You can't criticize the government now, but the old one's fine, basically. Well, what better way to support the current government than say that the last one was bad? Yeah. I mean, you're still not allowed to talk about Tiananmen, so, you know, that's, it's not like everything that's happened in the past is okay to talk about, but those particular things, you're probably allowed to say, you know, all my family died in the famine after the Great Leap Forward, you're probably, and that sucked. You're probably allowed to say that, and you're allowed to say how destructive it was for China to kill all of its intellectuals during the Cultural Revolution. Did they do that too? I know they did that in like. Uh, well, they killed a lot of their intellectuals. Which, the, the Khmer Rouge was that where they did that? Yes, also there. Cambodia, also communists in Cambodia. Yeah. yeah. Um. So apparently, it's not com- pronounced Khmer. I know it's. it's not, I know it's Khmer. Khmer. Oh. That's not what I thought was going to be wrong. <laughs> I thought the, I thought the K part was going to be wrong, but you know, but apparently these are just Khmer. words we're never going to get right. I mean, even if we like no. did our best, you know. But that was almost for us. No, it was for the same reason. It because anyone who had any type of education first, I mean, the message was that these were like bourgeois capitalist elements who were oppressing the working class. But really, it was because they are the only ones that could criticize or threaten the power of the leader. So that's why they were had to be eliminated. And it was true for both the Khmer for both Pol Pot and Mao. So, what? so yeah, I guess you're you're allowed to now that now the, that the cultural revolution was you know fifty years ago, mm. you can say how bad it was. So I work with a guy who lived in China for the last well about ten years before COVID, uh, and he's an American guy, white dude, lived there, and he was explaining to me how like modern China, there's like three periods. There's the the Mao era. Then there's like the roughly 
30-ish years from there where it was very open, tons of construction, tons of economic growth. And then like the last decade or so of much, much more crackdown of... The Xi Jinping era? Exactly. So this book... The Winnie the Pooh era, I hear. (laughs) What was that? Winnie the Pooh? In in China, somehow, like, because you can't... They're using... looks like Winnie the Pooh. People will text the name Winnie the Pooh to each other, and they'll actually mean Xi Jinping. Oh. Because he looks like Winnie the Pooh, kind of, they say. And so it's it's illegal for you to, like, put a picture of, like, Winnie the Pooh with Xi Jinping's face on it. (laughs) Well, that should be the fucking... The uh, Photoshop picture for this this episode, but um, that's hysterical. We're banned in China now. <laughs> oh no! There goes one billion of our listeners. Uh, it was. I'm sure that's a simplification of um, in, in many ways, but this book yeah, came out is. before the Xi Jinping era, right? 2008. Are you? Yeah, it came out before the crackdowns. So. That could be, but it wasn't known it here. Well, it came out in China and became yeah. what I assume is pretty famous. And so, when it was translated, uh, and when it was translated into English, it still was, you know, it it was so out there you couldn't get it back, even if they when tried they, to crack down. When they published it here, you know who had the title quote, like the quote on the title of the book, the page, the fuck, you know the, uh, like the, you know, this is so good. The quote blur, on was it George R. R. Martin? No, it was fucking Barack Obama. Oh, it's like one of the this is like one of the most uh, creative things I've ever read. It's like, why why did they get Obama for the cover quote? But all right, hmm. I forget what it, it was. Something like that. I forget what it was exactly. But that's an odd choice. You know what? I bet I bet most people don't think to ask Obama to do their book blurb. <laughs> no, they don't. They feel like, like he's, he's not going to ever say yes. Willing. And then tour <laughs> books was like, let's ask Obama. The time. He's like, yeah, uh, uh, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. <laughs> and, then he fucking... and when they said they, when they did it, he's like, thanks, Obama. <laughs> <laughs> that is a really random. <laughs> I know it's very weird. Like I got the book, I got the physical book the first time I read it, and it said, you know, whatever, Barack Obama. Like, that's that's unexpected, <laughs> but okay. I sure it's not like spelt slightly differently. Like it's like Barack, like Barack Obama. Like he's Irish. <laughs> Yeah. Like it's almost the same. Gary Sher Kent or whatever the fuck. Charlestown, Massachusetts. Barack Obama. (laughs) Okay. All right. So uh, who should read it? That's a harder question. Nerds. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, if you love reading, I still don't think you might not like this. Uh, If you love sci fi, yeah, 100%. 100%. Anyone who likes sci fi should read this because it's awesome. Uh, I would qualify that and say the. People who like sci-fi that has a lot of technical detail, a lot of scientific technical detail, because there's science fiction that doesn't have nearly as much of that. Not so Star there, there, Wars sci-fi. Yes. People who like hard sci-fi, yeah. Who like hard wangs. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't even talk about the amount of characters named Dong. And Ding. There's this guy named Dong, or a woman named Dong. No, Ding was a woman, and Dong was a guy. Someone, someone was Dong. There was a conversation between Wang and Dong. I'm pretty sure. Oh, there, there absolutely was. Yeah. <laughs> and doo doo. <laughs> it's a bunch of dicks talking to each other in that scene. 
yeah, if you like hard sci-fi, this is great. It's it's interesting. I will say it a lot of times when I've read books that are translated from specifically China or the the Orient. Have you read a lot of books? I, more I Japan like, than China, like, frankly, like but five Asia. Chinese I've read books. some other Chinese books, but you, it has like a weird tone to it. The, it's hard to tell if that's it's a, it's a cadence. It's hard to tell like, if it's a product of translation, or like that's just how it sounds in Chinese. You know. Well, there, there was a whole forward from the translator who was like trying to say like, you know, stuff like this is hard because there's so much like. Because oh, all the footnotes were about how like these are word puns based on like the characters and shit like that, and it's like any translation you're gonna have to bridge the gap between what the author says and what the author means, hmm. idiomatically or like with word choice, and I, it, like the farther the language is, the harder it can be to translate. Like when you translate something from Spanish, like when we read Don Quixote, it was you know you got the gist of it. It wasn't weird, but like with this Chinese book, sometimes it felt like like old kung fu movies where the language is kind of stilted in the way people speak to one another. But I don't know why. I guess it must be a language thing, though. It's it's really hard to tell. Are you suggesting that the old kung fu movies got it right? Well, I mean, not not like that. Not the um, not the dubs, <laughs> but like subtitles. Like even with modern uh, Chinese movies, like the, the the way they would say like a sentence doesn't sound necessarily natural to us. And I don't know why that is. I know it's you know just the way languages work. Like things sound different, normal to like even like Germans or whatever the fuck a Romanian sounds like. I don't know. No one knows does what anyone? they sound like. <laughs> I don't think anyone does. <laughs> it was actually explained to me once by a Romanian person that Romanian it sounds like Italian that's been beaten up by Russian. That's what he said. Okay, I can see that. Yeah, well, that's probably accurate. But this, um, what I what I was trying to get at is that this this didn't feel like that. This felt I didn't feel like I was reading a translated book. I felt like I was reading a fucking weird book, but it wasn't a. <laughs> it wasn't like and it's like when we read the fucking cat whistle book. Um, cat whistle? You know what I'm talking about? Kafka on the shore? Yeah, Kafka on the shore. Oh God! Yeah. Okay. Like reading that, I was like, yeah, this cat whistle. This, yeah, this, <laughs> this feels like it's been put through Google Translate once. Like it just doesn't <laughs> it doesn't flow the same way. I expect anyone to communicate naturally in their language. See, it felt now that you mentioned it, it 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 felt kind of similar to me as this one, where it's like it feels like ninety percent natural, but there's still like it still feels a little off just because it's not the way they would say something is the way we would say something. That's just a byproduct of it, but yeah, it's I, yeah. I guess it's just a it's just a language barrier thing. It's like in Don Quixote when they said the tr- best translation is like looking at a rug from underneath. Or what? Like like see like when you see, when you know when you like a, when like those expensive woven rugs, like you can see the pattern on one side, but you look at the other side of it, you can kind of see the pattern, but it looks fucked up. Like you get it, but it's not as pretty as it could be. Hmm. Because there's always there's always a barrier. Well, I thought this this was minimal. So I'd say anyone who likes sci-fi should read it. Yeah. If you don't, maybe not. Yeah. If you don't like sci-fi, it's probably not good for you. This is all sci, no fi. Well, my wife or the other way around was talking to a coworker and somehow mentioned that I do a podcast that she has never once listened to, and not even once she listened to one one episode and she was like, I don't I don't want to listen to was you. It the first one <laughs> episode, episode probably episode one. Yeah. And uh, she's like, 
they said, have you ever heard of this book called The Three Body Problem? Someone at work was telling me about it. Maybe you should do that. And then she do you think it's I would like it? And book. I was like, I don't know. It's a sci-fi book. I'll, I'll let you know. I'm like, no, never, never, ever read this. You're not going to want to work this hard. It's it's not no work. To get an ending that's not the ending. You know, like... The thing is, it's this, this is a trilogy, and it does not stand on its own very easily. It was, it was very clearly planned. I, I guess, was this author already established at the time? That they could... I have absolutely no idea. You know, because most people, when they write a trilogy, it's like they wrote the first book, and they're like, I hope I get published... And like I have ideas for sequels, and then they flood, then they just add more crap on top of it. And usually, the first one uh, yeah, can more I, or I less really, stand on its own. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's just this is not something that if it had ended after this, you'd be like, "That's not a good ending." I mean, it's good that we got them all. We probably I don't even know if they translated the first one until all three were done. I don't know how the years worked out on that. But if this was the only book, I'd be like, "That's stupid." Yeah. Well. Tell us what you thought. Send us an email to drunkguysbookclub at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at drunkguysbc. Or go to Facebook and Instagram at drunkguysbookclub. And if you want to support the podcast, remember you can always head down to patreon.com slash drunkguysbookclub. Support us there. Or just leave leave us a review wherever you listen. Did you know you could leave a review on Spotify? I found that out the other day for podcasts. I didn't know that. Yeah. So we have at least we one good that. review on Spotify. And... <laughs> And you could also just you know, tell note to self. Tell someone to uh, check out the podcast. And you can also find us on Goodreads where we are taking a great leap forward in discussing books. We're 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 culturally revolutionizing Goodreads. With our Goodreads group you can join. Where we are all equal except the three of us. Some are some are more equal than others. And especially the Hopped Up Network, a network of independent beer podcasters. And thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.